Hi everyone, Tommy here, to let you know that the St. Dimpna's Playbook book is now available from Ave Maria Press. You can order wherever books and ebooks are sold. We'll put a link to the book on Ave's website in the show notes so you can go and check it out and use the code BEWELL, all one word, to get 25% off. Thanks so much! said forgiveness is a strange thing it can sometimes be easier to forgive our enemies than our friends it can be hardest of all to forgive the people we love welcome to the 110th episode of saint dimpna's playbook the last episode of this season of the show the sdp if you want to be cool a production of the grexley podcast network my name is tommy i'm a cradle catholic a marriage and family therapist a husband and father of five boys four on earth and one in heaven I love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want to underscore, especially at this time of year, how important it is to ask God to help us forgive those who have harmed us. While it can be so deeply hard for us, nothing is impossible for God. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. Simone Biles made news when she withdrew from the all-around gymnastics competition back in July during the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo. At the time, she said, quote, I'm still struggling with some things. It just sucks when you're fighting with your own head. Her ability to realize when her mental health needed a break was a huge help to breaking down the stigma associated with mental health symptoms. And now, Simone has worked hard to partner with a mental health startup to ensure that her impact on mental health care continues. We go to Culture Map Houston for more. Launched in January 2020, Cerebral has raised a total of $462 million from investors, including an undisclosed amount from Biles. Biles, a 4'8 gymnastics powerhouse, has won 32 Olympic and World Championship medals, but it was her off-the-map moves this year at the Summer Olympics in Tokyo that drew worldwide attention. Biles contended at just one event in Tokyo after withdrawing from all other competition to concentrate on her mental health. Two months after the Olympics, Biles agreed to become Cerebral chief impact officer serving as the face of the brand quote mental health is just as important as physical health but for far too long the stigma of mental health has prevented too many people from seeking help biles says in a cerebral news release i have my own challenges with mental health and therapy has been very empowering for me as i try to be the best person i can be i believe everyone should have access to mental health resources and cerebral gives me the ability to personalize my mental health care experience so cerebral bills itself as a one-stop on online shop for mental health care and wellness. The company offers counseling, therapy, and medication delivery and management online for conditions such as depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. So back to me, it is really a blessing to hear Simone talking about the positive impact therapy has had in her life and to see her working hard to create a way for everyone to access fast and hopefully affordable mental health care via telehealth for those who are comfortable with it. As we talk about quite a bit on this podcast, anytime a well-known person speaks out about mental health or tries to make a difference for those of us suffering, it's a good thing. And with Simone, I'm hopeful it will lead to less stigma and more people realizing that reaching out for help is a strength and not a weakness. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm going to introduce you 
to Saint Sabas. Born in 439 in Cappadocia, Sabas was the son of a military commander who had to travel on military matters with Sabas's mother when the young lad was just five, leaving him in the care of an uncle. When he was just eight, he entered a monastery and quickly learned to read. He became a young expert on scripture. As Wikipedia notes, Sabas resisted his parents' pressure to return to the world and enter into marriage, and when he was 17 years old, he received a monastic tonsure and subsequently spent 10 years at the monastery of Bishop Flavian. After that, he lived in obedience at another monastery until he was 30, but he was eventually permitted to seclude himself in a cave where he would spend the rest of his life in prayer. He initially would come back to the monastery on Saturdays, but as Wikipedia points out, after a certain time, Sabbas received permission not to leave his hermitage at all, and he lived in isolation in the cave for five years. Eventually, people started to come, drawn to his way of life, and he ended up founding several monasteries. He became known for many miracles, like a spring of water coming up during a drought, the healing of the sick, and the deliverance for the possessed. He composed the first monastic rule of church service, and he died in 532. Counted among his monks is St. John of Damascus, and the wonderful saint even has a river named after him in Texas. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. May the intercession of the St. Sabbath help us, we pray, Lord, so that we may obtain by his patronage what we cannot receive by our own merits through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who being God lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, world without end. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Anonymous gets us started for a few reasons I don't believe I'm called to religious life, but also believe my marriage prospects are negligible. Therapists tend to attribute this belief to depressive thoughts and low self-esteem, but when I explain my dispassionate problematic or probabilistic reasoning, they despair of helping me and start talking about referring me to someone else. In order to better understand my anxiety and depression, I've been trying to parse what the church teaches about single, unconsecrated life. My understanding so far is that to be single and unconsecrated is a quote, anticipatory state of life and not one of the three vocations of the church? How do I deal with the anxiety of being stuck likely forever in an anticipatory state of life and the depression of having no vocation? Let's start by praying for Anonymous and everyone who finds themselves anxious of being stuck and depressed over the feeling like they have no vocation. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Thank you so much for sending this question in because I think it's something that a lot of us are living through right now, and I think it's so important for those of us going through this to know that we aren't alone. First, I want to acknowledge how difficult the way the church expresses her teaching can be for us. I often find that deep and mystical realities are explained in a way that come across kind of harsh or difficult sounding, and this can make things really hard for our mental health as we try to sort through our lives. As you mentioned in part of your message I didn't include, some pop Catholic figures 
speakers try to balance this by going overboard when it comes to what a vocation is, and this isn't really helpful either. Feeling stuck in our lives or feeling like either we don't have a purpose or we don't haven't quite found it yet, it can be seriously unsettling. And it's that unsettled feeling that leads us to having anxiety and later depression as we try to find an answer with nothing ever seeming quite adequate. You know, St. Therese of Lisieux has some thoughts on this that I think are relevant here. I understood that love comprised all vocations, that love was everything, that it embraces all times and all places, and in a word, that it was eternal. All the focus we place on vocation in the Catholic Church, and we so often fail to miss the real point, love. God wants love to be behind everything we think, say, and do, regardless of if we're a nun or a priest or married or consecrated in a single life or none of that at all. We can always practice love no matter what. Now, just quickly to the ideas for coping with anxiety around being stuck, we'll look to some thoughts from Psych Central. A good starting point is awareness. Consider examining how your unconscious may be contributing to you feeling stuck. Some ways to become more aware include identifying defense mechanisms and cognitive distortions that are getting in your way. Noticing default relationship patterns that cause you to recreate familiar cycles. An important step to feeling unstuck is living in the present. It often feels like we're being told to do more instead of be more. When we follow this, we often start functioning on autopilot. You can switch off autopilot by practicing mindful techniques to help re route your thinking from ruminating on the past or worrying about the future to becoming rooted in the here and now. It may be time to reassess how you feel about your current relationship, job, or even yourself. What are the aspects that make you feel stuck? Is change possible? What would happen if you let go of the negative thoughts surrounding where you feel stuck? By identifying your thoughts and feelings in the moment, you can develop a healthy detachment rather than being overrun with them. Back to me. I hope that helps a bit. I know it's hard, but know that we'll be praying for you. A different anonymous is up next. I found out four months ago that my husband had an affair while we were engaged and then resumed it during my pregnancy with our now six-month-old baby. The baby and I have been with my parents since I found out, and I gave my husband a list of things, a short list, that I would need for him to do in order for us to reconcile since that's what he said he wanted. He has done none of the things and has excuses that make sense. And he says he'll still, he still wants reconciliation. So last week, my therapist and my priest were on the same wavelength. And it seems like even the priest thinks our marriage is a lost cause, but something in me won't believe it. Are there signs to look for to know when to really give up? How long is too long to wait for the changes? Let's please start by praying for Anonymous, for Anonymous's baby, and for God to make clear the path ahead. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. First, I want to say I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you've been betrayed in this way. I'm so sorry that God has allowed this tragedy to enter your life. And at the same time, I greatly admire your desire to work through these issues. It's obviously something powered by God's grace, and it's a a beautiful witness. I think one's spouse's willingness to do the things that you need them to do in order to start moving forward says a lot. I know we talked a bit after you sent your message, and you noted that he was reluctant to engage in individual therapy or couples therapy. And I think that says a whole lot about the opportunity to move forward and work through this. I think Very Well Mind has some great thoughts around Uh, evaluating where we might be when we're facing a situation like this. 
Is this a temporary crisis or the end of your marriage? What is the best thing that could happen if you stay together? What is the best thing that could happen if you separate? What is the worst thing that could happen if you stay together? What is the worst thing that could happen if you separate? And remember, you have to remember how important it is to keep yourself and your baby safe physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And while God willing, it would be great for your husband to start coming around and rebuilding trust in your relationship, separation might be the thing that needs to happen, at least temporarily, and especially if he's not willing to make any kind of an effort in order to maintain that safety. Lastly, consider reaching out for therapy for yourself to help work through these issues with someone on the ground who can get to know all the ins and outs. And please, please be assured of all of our prayers. A final anonymous wraps us up. What advice would you suggest I give to a recently married friend of mine who is extremely anxious about her husband possibly cheating on her? She has expressed this to me a few times, but has told me that there's no reason to believe that he currently is or that he ever will. But she seems deeply hurt by past wounds in which men were unfaithful to her. I want to help her as I know her husband well and believe he is a very faithful man who loves her deeply, but I'm unsure how to help her be convinced. Let's start by praying for Anonymous's friend, for Anonymous's friend's marriage, and for Anonymous as well, for the best way to be supportive, to become crystal clear. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. First, I want to say what a blessing it is that you're thinking about how to support your friend through this moment of anxiety and difficulty. It's a really beautiful witness of what a great friend you are. And I think the trauma that she's been through in the past is obviously still having a huge impact in the way she is in relationships moving forward, right? And rightfully so. When we're scarred in that way, it can be so difficult to leave those past wounds behind, even when we find somebody who's trustworthy. It might be hard to recognize because we don't really think of it in this context, but based on what you've shared, it sounds like your friend might actually be experiencing what we would call relationship or cheating OCD. We're going to take a look here at youhaveocd.com to help out. There are many different types of OCD. Cheating OCD is a type of OCD that revolves around relationships and the fear of one partner cheating on the other. Even though most people are to some degree weary of the cheating in a relationship, this OCD fear goes above and beyond that. There are two subtypes of this OCD. In the first subtype, the person thinks that they may have cheated in the past or that they are about to cheat. This thought causes extreme anxiety. The sufferer feels like he or she can't enjoy the time spent with their partner because they're constantly thinking about their OCD fears. The compulsive action in this subtype is constantly retracing what the person did and analyzing one's own thoughts and desires. If your OCD revolves around the thought that you cheated, you may feel the need to seek reassurance from the person that you're with to make sure they don't think that you're cheating so you know that it's not true. In the second subtype, the person is worried that their partner has cheated on them or is about to cheat. The compulsive action in this case would be to monitor the partner very closely and try to find clues to the suspected cheating. You may try to see if your partner has cheated by analyzing what he or she said and how they acted in a particular situation. And both of these subtypes are very common. 
Here's some thoughts on how to find healing from cheating OCD. Step one, any thought that deals with cheating is an OCD thought and label it as an OCD thought. Step two, do not react to any of the cheating OCD thoughts with fear. Your fearful reaction is what powers up these thoughts and makes OCD stronger. Instead, react with indifference and allow the thoughts to just be there. Say to yourself, I don't care if I have this thought for the rest of my life because it's not real and it's only OCD. This will shift the power from the OCD back to you. Step three, recognize which of your actions are compulsive and done because of your cheating OCD. Make a list of them and do your best not to do them. The less actions you perform, the weaker your OCD will become. And at this point, it may be automatic to perform certain compulsive actions, so it'll take some time to stop doing them. Take it one day at a time, but do your absolute best to stop performing them. Step four, do not seek any reassurance from your partner or from anyone else. This one is very hard, but if you keep seeking reassurance, you will not get better. Step five, if your partner knows about your OCD, talk to them about this specific type of cheating OCD. Explain to them that this is not about them, uh, but about your disorder. In many cases, the partner may feel like you don't trust them because they don't have OCD and they don't fully understand the amount of anxiety that goes along with these thoughts. You need to be patient with them. Tell your partner if they see you asking for reassurance or performing a compulsive action that they need to tell you to stop and remind you that in order to progress, you need to not do these compulsive actions. So back to me. I realize this was all more geared toward your friend and their experience, but I hope it provides some insight into what they might be going through and some thoughts on how best to help them. If this does sound like what you've noticed, encourage your friend to reach out to help uh, for help to a therapist who understands how to help someone with OCD. It's a very treatable diagnosis when a therapist has the right training. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in a future episode, in a future season. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves, take care of yourselves, and if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna.